Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours. Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. We have to combine the peoples, uh, a good friend of ours, a comrade, um, I don't know. We know a lot of Renaissance men. I, I think I would describe Decker as a Renaissance man, uh, a Brooklyn guy. We share something in common. You, you grew up in Brownsville. Um, you hosted us when we went to Brazil. And for me personally, I love seeing your artwork. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't you tell, tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself? Peace, everyone. It's Brian Decker Pawpaw here. Um, born and raised in Brooklyn, as Kitty said. In Howard, right? No, I grew up in Bed-Stuy, but I lived in Howard. Mm -hmm. I lived in Howard from like 1984 to 1988. Mm -hmm. So I was in Howard for four years because my mom got married when we were living in Bed-Stuy, in Brevoit. So you was in Brevoit? Yeah, I was in Brevoit first. Mm -hmm. And then... Did you know Cookie had cook? Cook, yeah, yeah, Cookie. Dawson Cook, that's my yeah. man. Rambo, did you know Rambo? Ram oh my God, that dude. Man Rambo. Rambo. Yeah. Rambo. Man, he he survived because he got shot in the head back in the day. Yeah, he did. He died. He died. He died back then. He died young. But Rambo was. A no, Rambo used to be like, <laughs> and he was like a, a, he was one of the wild out dudes. But he was, he was <laughs> he always. But he was, he was, he was cool. Sweet dude. Cool dude. He, he was cool. He was you just. Just don't press his buttons. But, yeah, yeah. Cause I remember like he would do stuff, and like everybody be laughing, but they were really like <laughs> nervous. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to tell him. You never know. Yo, like you know, one time you know I was in I was in the barbershop getting a haircut. You know what I'm saying down the block on on Ralph man, and uh, he was up in there and they had some weights, and I remember he was like picking the weights up. And just lifting it, just like going crazy, like ah, like yelling, screaming. You know, it was like people in the shop, and I'm just like, yo, like what's up? Something's <laughs> wild. <and bleep." laughs> nah, he was definitely dropping uh, weights, like wow. You know what I'm saying? It was cats like him, another cat named, named Livewire. Yeah, I know that's another story. Like, yeah, he he almost like, yeah, yeah. Cook I, is I, was, cook. I was about to be going the one time nah, 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 because I, I stood up to him. Nah, mm -hmm. yeah, Cook Cook was a good friend. He's like a brother to me. Cook yeah. Cookie had it from out there and, and wow. Rambo, I grew up with all of this, but Howard was always an interesting place. That's how mm -hmm. that's what made me uh really appreciate fighting Howard. Because back when I was going when wow. I was in Brownsville going to school, every time you pass the cats on Howard, they felt they always boxing. So they, they would literally you would have to learn how to fight to even walk by that neighborhood by that by their building. So. No, I used to fight kids like every week, but you know you don't think about it because like you in that environment. Mm -hmm. So when it's happening, it's just like yeah, the you know silly stuff that I would I would never do. Mm -hmm. If you talk about my mom's, like you don't know my mom, so like I ain't gonna like do nothing to you. 
But back then, oh, your mom's, well, boom, boom, boom. And mm-hmm. you're just like fighting, 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 you know what I'm saying, and the violence. And um, I'm a Fresh Air Fund kid. It's a mm-hmm. nonprofit where they take kids out, out I, there. I mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the beginning of my life with the transition to Hoods and Woods. Because that's the first time I left Brooklyn. And I didn't know my neighborhood was, like, was crazy until... I stayed upstate in a town called Whitesville, New York. <laughs> From Brownsville to Whitesville. Like the, get out I, the irony of that. Yeah, man. And I was up there on the dairy farm with a family called the Brewbakers. Do you do that? You know what's funny? <laughs> I, like, I know a lot of people who did the Fresh Air Fun. Yo, they came back with so many stories that I wanted to do it, but I, I didn't qualify financially mm-hmm. to be able to go because I guess I had two working parents, parents yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, house or whatever. Yeah. But the, the people I knew did too, but now as I think about it, only one parent was working and the other parent was maybe like a homemaker. Mm-hmm. But it made me want to go. Did you keep in touch with? No, I went, I went to Fresh Air Fun until like they kicked me out. They were like, you too old. <laughs> you I, aged I, out? I went, you aged out of Fresh Air Fun? Yeah, I aged out. I went to that family for like six years. It started like like a week, two weeks, then I would stay like uh, one month in mm-hmm. entire tire summer, and they gave me a job working on the farm, and they were paying me money. So I was like on the farm, working on the farm, like learning how to like shoot guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, off the record, I know we're not supposed to be shooting guns <laughs> at Fresh Air Farm, but uh, you know we're on the farm, mm-hmm. so they introduced me to that to that lifestyle, and um, you know, and the first time I, I saw stars in the sky. It was, was that Fresh Air Fun? It was that Fresh Air Fun. Wow. And it was time to go. I was 10 years old. It was time to go back to Brooklyn. I was crying because, like, I didn't want to go back to Howard. Mm. You know, because nice. now I started spilling the beans. I said, yo, my neighborhood is, like, bad. They be shooting people. Mm. Like, this is... And how did the Fresh Air Fun family take that information? <laughs> what was it? No, they about? were, like, diehard Christians. They were like, oh, oh damn. we're so sorry. Don't come worry. with us. You're going to come back <laughs> yeah, next yeah. year, next year. You know, whatever, they send me, like, Christmas gifts, like, money mm-hmm. and, like, toys and stuff. And then when I got older, Did you said, experience any racism or classism there? As a young no, kid? It was, it was just it? a wild thing because it was, like, a, they were diehard Christians, you know? Well, you could be a bad, evil Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's, like, this thing where it's, like, you know, they go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this Fresh Air Fun thing because of their religion. You know, we're being good Christians. And understanding, like, yo, let's give an opportunity to a kid from the inner city to come out here with all this space and land and property, you know, and I'm playing. I'm not fighting other kids. There's nobody shooting. There's no stabbings, or, you know, or whatever. But, you know, they did have that, have that mindset, you know, where it's like one day I was like, what, like at 14 years of age, I was there and some thing came on, like Ted Koppel, one of them dudes. Mm-hmm talking about gangs in Los Angeles and we were sitting in the living room watching the TV and Mr. Brubaker was like, they should line them all up and kill them. What year mm. was this? This was like, probably like... In the 80s? Uh, yeah, in the, in the, the 80s. 80s. It was probably like um, 86 or 86. something, oh, 87, wow. right? And I looked, I looked at him, I was like, I was like, really? He said, yeah, because, you know, crime is bad. You, hmm. you know what I mean? But it was weird, though, because people that were doing crime, it was like people I knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then... Uh, That's funny that um, white Americans can just... They, they, their cognitive dissonance prevents them from really assessing the, the totality of circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting. Because to them, it's just like one one yeah, way. One way. But that that kind of like that experience just showed me like um, another side, you know, to the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you know, it humbled me, but it made me look at my neighborhood, you know, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, ah, oh, you know what? I want to go places. I, you know, I, I want to do different things. But then as I got older. And it started hanging around with the wrong crowd, getting in trouble, mm. and the family offered me to uh, to live with them. They did the brewbakers. They, yeah, offered. Yeah, you could live here. They didn't want to line you up and kill you. Nah, mm. man. They, they were like, "Yo, we'll help pay for your college <laughs> oh, wow. if you go to school up here." Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But then it would have been a total lifestyle change. I wasn't a kid you had no to, more. You kind of had to have lived their narrative for you to, you know. Yeah, I was. I wasn't a kid no more. I was like, "Yo, I'm cool now." I'm 16 now. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging with my friends now. Like, nah, this is corny. I don't want to go mm-hmm. to church mm-hmm. on Sunday. You, you feel mm-hmm. me? Like, yo, I want to turn up. I want to be in the park drinking 40s, man. Fuck all that, man. I'm not trying to like. What was it? What do you farm. as as a as a grown man now reflecting back? What do you think that desire is? Or what was that desire for yourself to want to do that? What to be in the park? Cousin of forty, like what? What was what was it for you? No, it was it was just kind of like you know the world that I that I knew, but I knew other because of the fresh air fun. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, yo, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable here. This is what everybody's doing, mm-hmm. you know. And another thing too, you know, because so I was, it was socialization. Yeah, yeah, it was like fitting in because I was a kid who had artistic talents, mm-hmm. right? And I kind of like at points like dumb myself down to to, to, to fit, to along. you know, in, in my environment. And a lot of it was getting along, and a lot of it was like survival mm-hmm. because like I didn't want to be you know pushed around anymore. Like the story mm-hmm. with 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 Livewire, like he was about to like fucking blow my ass to pieces in in the lobby. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, nah, man, fuck that, fucking he'll chill, bees will chill, you know. And then I stood up to him, and people were like, "Yo, you're crazy, you're crazy." And that, but, but that kind of, and he respected me yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah. And then once I started doing that, and everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and I kind of found myself in this groove. But a lot of that shit, like real talk, it wasn't really who I was. Mm. And every um, sort of trouble mm-hmm. that I got into, it wasn't me. It was just my environment, and I was just like, "It's funny." Um, one of my brothers, you know, Akintola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akintola had once said, um, he was talking about, I don't know where we were at or how it had come up, but he had somehow found his way from Bed-Stuy to Jersey to down in Virginia, actually around the time that I was down in Virginia at college, mm-hmm. and he had found himself being charged with a crime, and he said that he remembers uh, being in court, and he, I think he shed a tear, his, 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 child, his son was there in court as a child, and he said that he made the an assessment that he didn't recognize himself anymore because he had gone, it's been, it had been over such a long period of time where he was running away from who he really was that he didn't recognize Mm -hmm. himself anymore at that point. And I think that happens to a lot of us Mm -hmm. in those environments because in that environment, you're trying to survive, you're trying to absorb life, you're trying to learn, you're trying to, and, and, but it all culminates into this this thing where you're not even yourself after mm-hmm. a while, you know. And you don't have our communities 
don't have the social familial um, institutions to help save you know mm-hmm. guys who are going through that so it's it's like you it's a weird space to grow up to have to grow up in and now I look at it now with how entertainment has become so prevalent in our lives yeah that it's it's uh, it's really interesting to see how the socialization of, mm-hmm. of young black and Hispanic men in the American diaspora you know how, how mm-hmm. um, tainted it is I guess mm-hmm. I should say yeah, when you're talking about entertainment, I, I mean, I can recall, like, you know, listening to hip-hop and, like, being young and listening to, like, you know, certain artists, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, there were artists that I think they like, gotten darker. They were, like, lyrical. Mm-hmm. They got more darker and they got more, like, uh, street tales and stuff. So, you know, you would be in the reality of the streets mm-hmm. and then you would kind of, like, have a soundtrack Mm-hmm. that you would listen to, you know, and it was created and crafted in a, in a fucking recording studio. <laughs> but you're listening to it and you're like, yeah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to pop somebody, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, and uh, whatever, I'm going to do that, you know, because it was kids. You know, I, I came from a household in Brownsville where my stepfather, you know, was addicted to crack. Mm-hmm. So I had a fucking like yeah, negative, front row seat. negative, negative environment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that shit made me mad. It made me, uh, you know, angry or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have a cocktail of that, and then you introduce, you know, music. You know where I didn't grow up with with my biological father. Mm-hmm. You know I didn't have any strong male role models. So I had this music. You know I had the violence. You know what I'm saying? you know, and drinking 40 ounces mm-hmm. every day, you know, and then, you know, getting involved with, like, doing dumb shit, you know, like, you know, selling, how do you think selling you, drugs. How, mm-hmm. how, how did you, how did you uh, get to the point where you end up becoming this artist, this person who had this great program for, for youth, mm-hmm. uh, you're traveling around the world, like, what was it, was it luck, was it a little bit of everything, like, because you know what I often deal with? I often deal with convincing some person who's usually uh, white. Um, uh, it sometimes is, is, is black or Hispanic, very rarely. But even when it is, they seem to espouse the same socialism of the, the white people that I haven't convinced. But I find myself trying to convince um, white people, particularly judges, federal judges, on how um, the fact that this young man didn't have those things mm-hmm. and how he ended up in this position. And they, the comeback from the usually the white prosecutors is always, they might even say something like, well, Mr. Montgomery made it out, or there's people who make it out. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think people don't understand that the people who are in that position, those examples, a lot of us, uh, we, we, we got out in spite, yeah, but not they, because of something we might have done exceptional. Yeah, but they're looking at the surface. Yeah, they're looking at the success. Yeah, yeah. they're not looking at the story. story. No, the narrative. You feel the me? Narrative. And like you know, all respect to to everyone who made it out the hood. You know, and got an education and did well, well, made, and did well for themselves. Mm-hmm. That 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 made it. Mm-hmm. Like they went through some shit, or some struggles. Even if you had like good parents, you still have to oh, walk. Oh, absolutely. And that you still gotta go outside. In that in, the, in that environment, you feel me? Mm-hmm. So it's just like 
yeah, just your luck that mm -hmm. that day you went to school with a weapon or a gun. Or that day you and all your friends ran and the cops didn't catch you. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and, and for me, you know, that, that change came with, you know, education. You know, education. Getting getting accepted into Parsons School of Design. Oh, you went mm -hmm. to Parsons. I went to Parsons. Yeah, part of New School University. Mm -hmm. So, I got into Parsons. You know, because I was just tired of all the bullshit that was happening. I then graduated from high school, and I saw what it was like. You know, what high school did you go? Thomas Edison. Oh, you went to Edison. I went to Edison. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I saw that you know it was basically like nothing, and, and I just got I just got tired of it. And then, um, you know, shit was happening. People were dying around me. You know what I'm saying? And I even came across an opportunity where, you know, I had to almost kill somebody. Mm -hmm. You feel me? And um, damn, I, I never really said this before, but that that changed my life because I didn't go I didn't go ahead mm. with it. I didn't do you it. You had that moment. I had, I had the moment. I had the moment. But um, I couldn't do it. I had that moment. Yeah. I think with... Um, the drug trade, mm -hmm. I realized that a part of me was with it. And then there was a realization that I would have to kill. Like that game was yeah, based on, at the, at the time mm -hmm. I was around people and things where it could have been a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. And I really realized that this is a game of killing. Oh, big time. No, know, like big time. Matter, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And um, that was a moment of clarity for me, mm -hmm. you know. And mm -hmm. then, you know, because you grow up, you know, you get desensitized to being amongst gunfire, mm -hmm. knowing what it's like to have a bullet whistle by your ear, mm -hmm. um, talking, to, like really getting comfortable in dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Like you start getting comfortable in it. And um, it, it, was, it was interesting because sometimes, though, you don't have that moment of clarity. Right. And before you before you know it, you're just you're in the middle of the fire. And, right. and, and how do you get out of this fire? Yeah, and that's the thing that, you know, I, I always tell people, they're like shocked and surprised. Wow, oh my God. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, Yeah, because you know, it, it's like you know, my reality. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of the one of the things that motivate me to run hoods towards, you know, and get kids in the neighborhood off the block for a day every Saturday, you know, to learn snowboarding, you know? And it's not and it's not just about, oh, snowboarding. It's just like getting off the block. Cause I remember what it was like for me when I would take like little day trips, like go to go on the bus out to like Bear Mountain, mm -hmm. playing in the pool, you know what I mean? You're, you're happy. Cause you, you know what I think, one way to look at it also, and we're gonna take a break after this to talk, to really get into specifics and education about what hood the, Hoods the Woods is. Is that I think when you are in this environment that is man-made, Howard, Brevoit, all of it is man-made. Whether you in Compton or, or, or Gary, Indiana, these are these are man-made scenarios for people of color and intended for them to fail. They're systems of oppression. But when you get out of there and you 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 are exercising some control over your own narrative mm -hmm. and that freedom. With that freedom comes a, a moment, uh, a, what they call a, a bright moment, a moment to learn and educate. And, and you really see that, you know, those systems that they built and they put us in 
um, they, they, they can be blinding. They can blind your intelligence. They can blind your mm-hmm. ta- talent. They can blind your ability to develop your own value system. Um, so when you get out of that, it's almost like um, it's almost like a, a birth of sorts, you know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 for me, I had the same the same um, revelations, and it, it was like you know, summers going out of New York to to go down south was almost like that mm-hmm. to me, you know. Um, but uh, but when we when we get back, we wanna we're gonna take a break, but we wanna talk about hoods and woods. Tamo junto rapaziada, esse é o Pique, valeu? Tanto que pediram, tá aí nosso set mixado Das melhores do baile da rua B, do baile do Rebu, valeu? Só couro, só as melhores, só a exclusiva, valeu? EJ Jamaica, solta o couro e pau no cu do mundo! Eu baile de camara, de Jamaica fome chota. Eu baile de camara, de Jamaica fome bote. Vou te deixar molhadinha, toda arrepiadinha. Vou passar o cavanhaque na tua pucetinha. Vou te deixar molhadinha, toda arrepiadinha. Vou passar o cavanhaque na tua pucetinha. Não pode me ver de bico que começa a piscar. Não pode me ver de bico que começa a piscar. Se eu passo em camara, fica doida pra me dar. Me olha de cima e baixo não consegue disfarçar. Vou passar, vou sarrar, vou passar, vou sarrar. Tu vai saber que é o trem. We're back. We was just talking about what it's like to. To kind of, it's sort of like the Brooklyn to Alaska program we have, which you were very, even looking at what you were doing, it was very helpful with us and in, in, in being a We're part of that and, and participating in that. But dope. but I see you, I see you and, and Dr. Gore, Rob, mm-hmm. out there. Um, how did Hoods of Woods even come about? Uh, Hoods of Woods came about uh, when I left uh, Brooklyn to go live in Snoqualmie National Forest in 2001 in the state of Washington. Um, Northern Washington near the border of Canada. Uh, left with a couple friends. You know, we got all this money to build a website during the whole dot-com era. Oh. And my boy was like, Jonathan Smith, yo, what up, man? He was like, yo, Tekken, man. Listen, we get this bread. Yo, let's go snowboarding for a month. And I'm looking You had never been? I've been snowboarding. It was like my second year. Mm-hmm. But it was just East Coast, New mm-hmm. Jersey, mm-hmm. Upstate, mm-hmm. Hunter Mountain. And I'm looking at him like, who the fuck takes a month vacation that, that don't exist when I'm, he's this is crazy this is how you set yourself up for failure because you're supposed to work you don't go take a, a mm-hmm, month mm-hmm. vacation you got to be a rich person yeah, yeah and yeah. we won the bid right we won the bid we got the money 
And that company, Urban Box Office, uh, went bankrupt. They filed Chapter 11. But we got, we, I had a contract where they gave us 50% of the money. So we had the website ready to go, but the company went under. So we're like, all right, man, fuck it. Let's go snowboarding. So we went out uh, to Snoqualmie <laughs> National Forest, story. lived, lived in the log cabin. And it was my first time um, in the National State Park besides like Bear Mountain, mm-hmm. like a real one. And when I got there, I was like, yo, where the fuck is the snow at? They're like, yo, it's up in elevation. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, because I came out here to snowboard. They're like, oh, you going to see it next day. Next day, get up in the morning, drive up uh, Route 542, Mount Vega Highway, and you start seeing the snow coming in, mm-hmm. and you get higher. And I saw the mountain, and it's in the middle of, like, wilderness, mm-hmm. like backcountry, like avalanches. And, mm-hmm. and and at that moment, I wanted to quit because <laughs> all this shit came in my head. Like, what are you doing, man? This is like, this is not for us. Like, you're going to die out here. This is like a real fucking national geographic looking place and I, I fell in love with snowboarding but that there is where I connected because I saw a bunch of people who didn't care about the type of clothes they were wearing mm-hmm. they were like into nature and I had these long dreadlocks and I would stand on 542 if my friends weren't driving with my thumb out and hitchhike mm-hmm. and white people would stop their cars hey what's up bro what? oh you're going to Baker yeah because there's only one way up mm-hmm. get in the car where you from Brooklyn Whoa, Brooklyn, wow. Mm-hmm. Yo, we're going to show you. Uh, and I'm like, wow, these people are treating me this way because I'm snowboarding. But then again, it's the Pacific Northwest. Like, they have a whole different mentality there. So there is where I got inspired. When I came back to Brooklyn, I was living down on a church in Martins. Mm-hmm. You know, my first crib after, you know, I graduated. Had a roommate, Peace Tunji. You know, we had that crib. And then when I came back to Brooklyn, I was like, yo, I want to, like, bring this experience to the hood. I think more people should get out there. But it's a money situation. I got involved because college, I had, like, a job where I could afford that stuff. Because snowboarding, snowboarding is expensive. Yeah, It's expensive. So I got inspired from Mount Baker, Washington. And I got inspired just from growing up in Brooklyn where people are like, yo, that's that white boy stuff. But I know how it made me feel and I was like yo if I could feel so good and happy and feel like I'm a five-year-old kid and all my stress and everything goes away then I should share this and introduce it and I put Rob Gore onto snowboarding mm-hmm. you put Rob I put Rob Gore Rob Gore got down he's like yo I'm gonna get into it and my friend uh my homie Anselm mm-hmm. he connected us and then start doing that and start doing hoods to woods me and my co-founder Omar Diaz and we were just carpooling with uh, five kids from Bed-Stuy like nine years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Gore told me he got inspired by Hoods to Woods to do Kavi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the dopeness of just set, setting out and doing things in the community and uh, inspiring other people at the same time. Mm. So do you still do Hoods to Woods? Yeah, I still do Hoods, Hoods to Woods. Um, you know, Hoods to Woods, right now, we service like 40 kids every winter. Every winter. Every winter, got volunteers, you know, have uh, board members. It's to a level now where I don't even have to be at the mountain. Where where, where uh, can people get more information to perhaps donate or suggest get their kids involved? Uh, they can go to our Facebook page, mm-hmm. Hoods to Woods Foundation, mm-hmm. and they can reach out and contact us through the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. 
or our uh, Instagram profile, Hoods to Woods. Okay. Um, and and so you don't you still go or you just run it now? Yeah, I you know I run it. I'm just responsible for building the partnerships mm -hmm. and raising funds. Mm -hmm. And my co-founder he runs the snowboard program. You know, how, how do you balance that, which is necessary, mm -hmm. with your your professional career? As a as a as a designer, as an mm -hmm. artist, as a filmmaker, like how, how do you shit? Know? Good good question. Well, one snowboarding is seasonal. Mm -hmm. It's not happening all year round. Mm -hmm. So we do everything we have to do to make that two month window mm -hmm. run smooth smoothly uh, as as possible. You know, and it's not easy because it's challenges. It's like you're responsible for getting money to pay for this bus to pay for the insurance, you know, and not wanting to tell kids and families, you know, we, we, we're not mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. I remember like, you know, still, the homie still from Smith & Wesson. Yeah, that's my cousin. Yeah, he's like, yo, Decker, I'm gonna keep it real with you. He said, yo, that Hustle Woods thing, I better not hear anything about you quitting. And I was like, <laughs> ha, 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 what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. He said, do I look, do, do it look like I'm laughing? Mm -hmm. Like, no, Decker, I'm not playing. You know, him and Rambo were like, Partners, mm. like him and Rambo were really close. That's how I met Rambo through still. That's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, you good friends with Rambo. He's like, yo, look, Decker, I'm not playing with you. <laughs> if you, if you give up on this, you and I are gonna have beef. Mm. Like real talk. You know what though? That was knowing still. That was him telling you how much he fucked with you, and how important what you were doing. Yeah, and it's, because it's, you know what, he was still still made me want to go to Fresh Air Pond because he used to go when we were kids. I used to be like, yo, he come back with these stories. But it's funny you say that because we took him to Alaska with us. Dope. Yeah. And Dope. He, and he really, he, I think, yeah. I think if you speak to him, he would really shout out to Still. Word up. Right. He said he would, they, he said, he would say he really enjoyed that moment. Him and Tech got an album coming out too. That, um, yeah, Ninth Wonder. Ninth Wonder um, produced. I think yeah. it come out next month. Yeah, February 22nd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what I really wanted to tell you too? I've always been a, a, a fan of your art. And oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Like, you just you just did something. What did you do? Uh, I did a painting of Colin Kaepernick. Yes, you did Kaepernick. But then I've seen your Malcolm X joint. Mm -hmm. And you're yeah. like... What? Malcolm X is on... on it's Malcolm two X. of them. It's <laughs> one in Bed-Stuy. I'm mm -hmm. putting them in Malcolm mm -hmm. X. Mm -hmm. And the other one is on the wall in Hosenia Favela in Rio de Janeiro. Yes. Mm -hmm. How does that feel, man? Cause that's like your historic, like you're part mm -hmm. of you're you're making sure that generations don't forget. Like we don't, mm -hmm. I think we often we don't realize that you know the the information highway is going so fast, and our kids are purposely distracted and pulled away from their history that we don't have many remnants left um, mm -hmm. for them to quite understand certain things. Mm -hmm. So for you to do that or be a part of that, that's really important. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it feels good, man. And, you know, and this is the thing. This is what, you know, we're supposed to do. And I'm someone mm -hmm. who never did anything with my artistic talent for 15 years. So you could do, you could, you have the ability to do front and back end web work. Is that? No, no, I don't do, I do motion graphics. Motion graphics. And, and editing. So it's, yeah. so, but you can edit and you... You, you 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 can create the imagery. Yeah, and step away from the machine and be like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm painting this. Oh, I only got this color. So what? I can use this. Oh, I got tape. Whatever. I got this knife. Oh, and the wall they gave me in the favela was like really really fucked up. And they're like, yo, we're sorry. 
we didn't have time to like make it smooth for you, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, whatever, I'll just work it out. And dude left and he came back and he saw like the, the huge Malcolm X face. He was like, what the fuck? He said, yo, how'd you... It looks so real. You do, do that. Because there's a couple of murals of of, 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 some, of people and greats in Brooklyn where I'm like, yo, who did this? Two chill, 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 like, It chill. just looks ridiculous. No, yeah, I, chill, chill. No, I'm serious. <laughs> like, it's... it's uh, you, know, you, you probably know, know some of the spots. Nah, nah, you know what? You and Best Style, what's the street? Uh, I'm like, who is that? Nah, nah, you, it's one right up here on um, yeah, you know, on, on, on Union. Mm-hmm. You know what I say to that? But I like, get it. I get this. Yeah, city. yeah, because everybody. Yeah, it's not about yeah. the art it's Yeah, you know, everybody got their own style, you know, and also is a level of understanding and experience. So people got a style. Some people may not have that experience with dealing with, you know, shading. You know, negative space, positive mm-hmm. space. This type of shit that they shoved down my throat in Parsons. But I was like, yo, I already know all this stuff. You know what what, you, what bothered me from being around so many creative and talented, intelligent people? Attitudes. No, you know what it was? I would look <laughs> at the um, the landscape of who were getting the creative direction jobs. And who was creating, getting these great budgets at these ad agencies? Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be people who look like Decca. It wouldn't be people who look like Babatu Sparrow or Mally mm-hmm. Mickens or Philip yeah. Shung. It would be guys who you would see in Wired magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would go get the ideas from guys like yourself. Yeah, and, of, and of it, course. It was, it was very troubling for me. And I always. And the ad agency world is in the creative direction world. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a small circle of guys, almost like the industry, music industry, where they just keep mm-hmm. bouncing from one spot to another, interchanging. And it's like you know the really talented people who grew up in a Howard or a Bed Stuy, who are incredibly and insanely talented and genius. It's sort of like the um, I understand how Bascot. Um, was was kind of manipulated and taken mm-hmm. advantage of by Andy Warhol. You know, I, I'm good friends with the attorney mm-hmm. friend for the Warhol estate, Ed Hayes. And he tells me a bunch of stories and I just think about it and I'm like, wow, um, how, how, do, how do a young person of color who's really talented really get to control their narrative in that in that world in that space like what, what would you tell the next young Decca coming up at 16 17 years old you know for, first thing you know I, I would I would say to young artists coming up is this focus on the process mm. focus on the process and what do you mean by the process the process is just like making things mm-hmm. you know because when you get caught up in like where is it going to end up mm. you know uh, is uh, it's Chelsea are they gonna uh, accept me? You know, are the elite gonna accept me? You know, the same thing with, you know, the industry, you know, advertising the agencies, you know, because he, even Basquiat, you know, he was he was chosen, mm. you know, and it's just like a lot of people have these dreams because here's, here's the reality, you know, to make a living as an artist where you can pay, you know, rent, survival, like student, that's, that's stu- student loans. It's difficult because in our society, it's almost like where where's the money going to? What yeah. what, is, what is the public buying? Mm-hmm. They're buying shoes. They're buying clothes. Um, they're taking um, vacations. Mm-hmm. You know, so trying to sell enough art 
where you can make a living to say, okay, you know, I'm going to ask for 10000 I'm going to ask for $20,000 for this piece. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to get $20,000, $50,000 for a piece of art is two ways. One, you connect it with someone who knows a celebrity mm-hmm. who has money and mm-hmm. likes your work. Two, you're going to get accepted, you know, by the mainstream art world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is uh, relationships with schools and universities. Mm-hmm. Like, I had an opportunity to go to Yale, mm-hmm. and I turned it down. Why? And because I just felt like after I did four years of school, I was like, I don't want no one to tell me what to do anymore. Because mm-hmm. I just did this as a, as a safety net because I wanted to learn graphic design. Honestly, I wanted to drop out of Parsons at my second year. I got a job offer at Donna Karen mm-hmm. and I almost dropped out. But, you know, my mom was like, no, you got to stay. You know, you can't. You can't leave. You're you're halfway there, whatever, you know. And then after, I did I did undergrad. I was like, yo, if I go to Yale, oh, you gotta go to Yale. Yale's gonna be such a good thing under your belt. I'm like, I just want to do graphic design. I want to get a job, and if I ever decide to come back to make works of art, it will be on my terms. Mm-hmm. But something interesting happened. Listen up, young people. Um, social networking, Instagram, Facebook. People are on their phones now. Mm-hmm. Ever since I came back into making works of art when I got laid off and I left the country and I went to Brazil mm-hmm. and I got back into making paintings, I never forget. I did this huge painting of like Nina Simone and took a picture of it, of me holding it in the street. I put it online and it sold in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I did another painting of Muhammad Ali from the same piece of wood that someone threw out in the trash that I cut in half. Mm-hmm. So the 10 minutes, all through social networking. You got Cash Apps, Venmo, PayPal. I got my website, I'm selling prints, everything I do, but it's about the process. I continue to keep painting, to keep making works of art. I don't have this grand plan like, oh, someone's gonna come and scoop this up. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make it because this is a legacy, intellectual property, which leads into an estate that you can leave behind for your family and educate them how to handle it and maintain it. Because I realize what I'm doing is bigger than me. Mm. Like, wow, this is works of art. This is intellectual property. It ain't just art galleries, it's licensing. Mm. Like every time they do a Dan Basquiat shirt, mm-hmm. a shoe, mm-hmm. they gotta go to the estate. Yeah, you gotta get they, the they, they gotta work that out. But like his story, like you said, you know, he was chosen. And there's a lot of things about Basquiat that people didn't know mm-hmm. about him being homeless on the street, yeah, yeah. about him selling his body yeah, yeah, to yeah, make yeah, money yeah, to yeah, survive. survive yeah. So this fascination of hip hop and, and Basquiat, to me, is not so much about art and creativity. It's more about elitism. I have this mm. money. I have this painting. I bought it because it's an investment. In the art world, they control this stuff and they control the prices. They change prices depending on who wants who wants to buy it. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way for like a rich person to buy something and maintain their wealth. Well, yeah. Because honestly, with all respect, and I know I'm, I'm going to get burned for this, but a lot of times you have a painting that's $100 million, it's not worth $100 million. Mm-hmm. It's a value that they put on it. So people are misled when they look at art museums and they look at art like, oh yeah, this is like part of like, you gotta be rich to mm-hmm. be part of this. Nah, your shit ain't gotta be up in the gallery. Your shit can be on the wall in the favela 
where a drug trafficker walked by with a big ass machine gun, like, yo, who's that? Mm -hmm. Yo, that's Malcolm X. I never heard of him. Good dudes drop out of school at 10. Mm -hmm. And then you tell them and you translate the legacy and the history of Malcolm X and they're looking like, holy shit, that's heavy. And they got to see that every day. Mm -hmm. And his brothers, they got to look at my mural every day in Best Star. One of the homies the other week, he said, yo, sometimes I cry when well, I look at that at shit. <laughs> yeah, because they out there doing whatever yeah, they're they doing, doing they, but they're reflecting. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why it's I important. did that. I put that piece up for it. There needs to be more of those pieces. Well, that building is owned by black people. Yeah. yeah. So they allow me to do it. it yeah. Everybody else, wait, you're going to put like a, a young Emmett Till mm -hmm. up with a thing? Oh, we don't know about that. Mm -hmm. That's not what I want. Can you make this? Hmm. Can you make that? And every offer I get, yo, can you paint this? Can you, like, I turn it down. Because mm -hmm. it's like, not interested. It's not interested. So it's not, it's not all about money. What you're saying, the, nah, uh, man, it's, it's about le legacy and just making things, man. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take a break and come come back and finish this great conversation with that. Legacy is, is just about, for, for me, you know, legacy is, you know, having something that's going to last into the future, you know, mm -hmm. not just this quick fix now, what can I get now, what can I get now? How, how, do, you, how do you really navigate that in a, in a, in a, in a, um, a system that's so heavily weighted via capitalism? 
Well, and 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 I say this just in the sense that, you know, it's it's such a symbiotic relationship between mm-hmm. art and money mm-hmm. and here. And I'll give you an example, Kaepernick. Um, I've had some discussions with some really bright people who I respect a lot who don't like him because they feel like um, they have their own reasons. Mm-hmm. And the part, some of them are pointing out how, at the end of the day, Nike, Nike mm-hmm. um, is giving him a check, but at the same time, Nike's giving the Republicans a check. Right. Um, and like it's this conflicted. Thing because you know America uses everything. Mm-hmm. Like they'll take advantage of Basquiat and his death. Mm-hmm. They'll take advantage of Emmett Till and his death. They'll take advantage of um, Martin Luther King. This Monday we celebrated one of the most courageous humans in our in, in our in our in our, in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got people from Steve King to Trump to Pence um, using his name. Um, mm-hmm. So what I what I, I guess what I'm saying is how do you really navigate your legacy um, when you don't have or you're not part of this social um, structure where um, things are mm-hmm. intact? For me, it's just basic because it's just like deal with where where you're accepted, where you can go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like if I'm going to sit on my ass mm-hmm. and wait for the mainstream to like celebrate me, you know, or give me that opportunity. It's like, no, I'm getting on the plane. I'm going to Brazil. I got a community that wants me to paint their houses. Mm-hmm. I just paint it. I just keep going. Another thing, I'm having conversations with my family, mm-hmm. the young children in my family, uh, talking to them about mm-hmm. this, teaching them what an estate is. Mm-hmm. And talking about intellectual property and having these conversations because, hey, you're going to, I'm not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to be the next generation. So let's talk about this because I'm going to leave this stuff to you guys, but you got to know how to manage it. Yeah. You know, it may not have, it may not uh, be worth anything in your lifetime, but. And they got to understand, they have to be educated to the philosophy and the importance of it because. Um, things have evolved in certain ways now mm-hmm. just from an artistic standpoint or design aspect there's so many mm-hmm. tools at your disposal now like you can create almost it seems you know growing up it seems like if you wanted to create something you almost felt like you needed money or you mm-hmm. needed a connection we live in this day and age because of technology that you can create whatever you created in your head from you, you know you almost can get it done from a mm-hmm. from a visual uh or, or digital experience um and, and if you can embrace a group of young people to really understand that they can control their narrative in that regard mm-hmm. um there's no telling what these young people can do yeah with, with the tools that are that are put before them because now the tools are not you know the the playing field is level from an artistic side somewhat, but it's still, um, like for instance, when we, when we were in Dumbo, I remember there was a community of young white guys mm-hmm. who were just down with each other, creating, one might do film, mm-hmm. one might build sets, 
Another one might be a writer. Um, another one might, like, they were doing all this stuff, and they were, like, they didn't have a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. They were all living together, shacking up, and then some now, 15, almost 20 years later, um, they have films out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, they had this community that they massaged. And it seems like, you know, we need to create more spaces where the young Deckers mm-hmm. can grow without feeling they have to lose themselves to get along mm-hmm. with people or, mm-hmm. or socially. And, 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 and it's just interesting to watch how, how art has grown and, and, and all, all these different things. We seem to mm-hmm. think we only have expertise in music. We don't. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, when you look at the, the Googles and the I, Instagrams, um, the Twitters, you know, they're not looking for the young Deckers and the young Phil or Mally. They want your ideas, but they're not going to hire you. Yeah, of course, man. You know, you know, this is like capitalism one-on-one mm-hmm. and how things happen. And, you know, where where people of color, especially like I tell people like, yo, the people who are born into poverty, who become mm-hmm. successful and the people who are born into wealth and they become successful mm-hmm. like that. It was uh, Malcolm Gladwell that yeah, yeah, the outliers. Outliers, outliers talking about stuff like that. The backstory, like, oh, why is he successful? Oh, well, he was able mm-hmm. to go to NYU. And he had access to all this equipment, part of his tuition, and he was able to come out there, and he lived at home with his parents, so he's able to do 80 music videos for no money, mm-hmm. and, and make his way out, mm-hmm. while the deck is like, okay, I gotta go to school, If my, my teacher says, if I don't get the right art supply, I'm gonna fail, and these supplies cost money. You're constricted. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at Washington Square Park like, oh, I can make like $2,000 a week up in that motherfucker, right? <laughs> and it's like, oh, if I get caught, I'm going to lose my scholarship mm-hmm. and everything is going to be thrown away. And I read a book called Think and Grow Rich, like Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. And because um, I was going through a tough time freshman year. Struggling. Out. Yeah, trying to get like us all. Yeah, trying to get like a, a you know work study job, can, can find a job, you know what I mean. And I read that book, and it was just talking about all these stories that I never really thought about or considered, mm-hmm. or what uh, our ancestors went through. And I wasn't trying to play down my situation, but I'm just like, yo, you got a mouth, you got hands, you got legs. No, you can. You need to that. talk to people and tell people you need help. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't let um, pride kill you. And I had a professor, Lisa Davis, and, you know, she helped out for me. And uh, my spiritual mother in the foundation office for freshmen, uh, Sharon Jeggets, I love you, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, she would bring food to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember I used to go to, like, the little soup kitchens on Bowery just to get some food. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids, they didn't know I was from the projects mm-hmm. or whatever. They're like, oh, yeah, he's talented, just like everybody else here. But they didn't know my story. Know story you know I kept it secret but like re- reading that book it put me in perspective where everything was just about working working not going out not going out and the first time I got my um, my grades you know you call in on the number and it was like oh you know your your average is like you know 3.8 no it was 3.9 and I didn't know what that meant at the time because I was ignorant because mm-hmm. I'm coming from high school mm-hmm. like you get the letter or a number yeah. and I'm like sitting on a fucking bed like man I'm gonna get kicked out of the school I got a fucking three yo <laughs> I've been working dumb hard yeah. man yo this shit ain't for me 
And one of my um, classmates was he's like, yo, you got a 3.9? I'm like, yeah. He says, bro, 3.9. I said, ah, yeah, what is yeah. that? That's not good to me. A hundred is good. He said, no, it ain't like that. Like, a hundred is a four point zero, so you practically got yeah, like a fucking mm. ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And I got the the three point nine because I refused to go to a stupid um, uh, prep class for like incoming freshmen. Like, you ain't gonna tell me I know my major. I'm not showing up for this shit. And it's like you're gonna fail. So that's why I didn't get a 4.0, but I maintained that average. Like, I graduated with like a 3.8, 3.9. 3. You said you, you know? said two things that are important that I think a lot of young people, it's, it's, it can become discouraging, particularly when you don't have a support system. Um, you, you, someone, or some more than someone, quite a few people helped you along the way. Of course. A lot of, quite a few people helped me along the way. Of course. You, you're not going to be able to get this thing done by yourself. You know, pe- yeah. people, people, if it wasn't for people pulling you through um, certain scenarios and periods in your life and your ability to recognize that, you know, you, you may not have made it. I don't mean you personally, I mean that people in general. But also what is very um, important, you said that you started reflecting on your history. Mm-hmm. When you really look at your DNA pool and you understand that people in your DNA have been, um, you know, the conditions that they've had to survive uh, are unimaginable. And when you realize that everything that could have happened to you as a person has already happened in your mm-hmm. DNA, it kind of makes things clear about having uh, courage. Mm-hmm. To, to fight through certain things, you know, um, and that's very, you know, it's it's tough for people to re to reflect in real time sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and and that that's a reflection that's that I think young people will really benefit from hearing that, you know. Yeah, they they need that because one time I volunteered with Kavi, you know, with these kids, and I said, Rob, I need to show them like a documentary. He said, Yo, we're gonna show them. I said, Yo, it's this documentary called Bastards of the Party. Party. Yeah. And these kids... That's with a homeboy... Um, with a Sloan. Sloan, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yo, show them the doc. And the kids were like, dumbfounded. They were like, yo, the, the government, they did... I said, mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. what they're doing. So understand that, you know, it's a lot easier for you to fail because there's nothing set up to help people mm-hmm. like you. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so easy to fail, but I showed them that because the thing that motivated me was the 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 anger, the anger I had towards assist the system when I realized I'm like, yo man, fuck these jails, fuck these prisons, I'm gonna fucking mash out I'm like that up, up in this motherfucking school, and I'm fighting for something bigger than me because I'm the type of person I had a professor. Uh, Dino Blanche, he's a brother. He said, look, whatever you do, you're coming into this environment. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget your people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to. I'm going to keep it real. He said, no, seriously, because you're going to get all sorts of like. Yeah, because I think know, that that that's a realization that, you know, black people, brown people, they don't really want to embrace that, that the key to success and how we're educated to success is that we have to leave where we're from to become successful. Literally. Phys- mm-hmm. Literally 
and and mentally, mm-hmm. theoretically, we have to leave that. You and and the purpose is to strip us down of whatever indigenous values we may have had and customs that mm-hmm. we may have had and adopt those values and customs of what is the successful thing, which is usually white. Mm-hmm. And it's not even to pick on white people, but we that's that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. usually that. And that to resist that and to still find value in yourself um, and to still define your personhood and your humanity is actually really truly freedom in which we many of us never get to freedom on our own terms we, mm-hmm. we get to freedom of, of what someone else has defined for us and mm-hmm. I guess that's the key to life for even young people in a day and age where they're so inundated with what to be and who to be and how to act is that the true freedom is defining yourself and, and, and you know that that's that's really interesting so you you so not only did you and Rob get together which uh, hood to woods but you're also partnering with him and have helped with Caddy. yeah yeah I volunteered with the organization I have a, well. a few times you know he told me personally he said yo man you inspired me with hoods to woods mm. you know to, to do something mm-hmm. you know and I was like wow because doing this for nine years you know the ups and downs uh, the struggles and doing it from a, a place you know of, of my heart because I want to do and, the right thing and then we're going to take a re- real break but I, what I, what I want to reiterate to people <clears throat> is um, you don't have to wait for a celebrity or something popular to happen for you to find something for your young people in your neighborhood your community your family your school your church kids who have been getting in trouble to do you have hoods the woods you have cabby both in brooklyn there's a brooklyn to alaska program there's a there's a bunch of different programs out here um i hate that idea that no one is doing anything people are doing a lot and and people like yourself mm-hmm. um they're not looking for props they're, they're laying history down through murals. They're doing programs, giving perspective. Um, uh, they're over there in another country, providing perspective. They, they, this isn't, it's not as Amiri Baraka as would say, it's not over. Um, so mm-hmm. just to, 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 you know, let people understand that. Somebody blew up America. All thinking people oppose terrorism, both domestic and international. But one should not be used to cover the other. Somebody blew up America! They say it's some terrorist, some barbaric Arab in Afghanistan. It wasn't our American terrorists, it wasn't a Klan or the skinheads, or the them that blows up nigger churches or reincarnates us on death row. It wasn't Trent Lott, or David Duke, or Giuliani, or Shunla, Helms retiring. It wasn't the gonorrhea in costume, the white sheet diseases that have murdered black people, terrorized reason and sanity, most of humanity, as they pleases. They say, who say, who do the saying? 
Who's in pain? Who tell the lies? Who in disguise? Who had the slaves? Who got the bucks out the bucks? Who got fat from plantations? Who genocided Indians? Tried to waste the black nation? Who live on Wall Street, the first plantation? Who cut your nuts off? Who rape your mind? Who lynch your power? Who got the tar? Who got the feathers? Who had the match? Who set the fires? Who killed and hired? Who say they God? Still be the devil. Who the biggest only? Who the most goodest? Who do Jesus resemble? Who created everything? Who the smartest? Who the greatest? Who the richest? Who say you ugly and they the good lookingest? Who define art? Who define science? Who made the bombs? Who made the guns? Who bought the slaves? Who sold them? Who call you them names? Who say Dama wasn't insane? Who, 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 who? Who stole Puerto Rico? Who stole the Indies, the Philippines, Manhattan, Australia, and the Hebrides? Who forced opium on the Chinese? Who owned them buildings? Who got the money? Who think you funny? Who lock you up? Who owned the papers? Who owned the slave ship? Who run the army? Who was the fake president? Who the ruler? Who the banker? Who the devil on the real side? Who got rich from Armenian genocide? Who the biggest terrorist? Who changed the Bible? Who kill the most people? Who do the most evil? Who don't worry about survival? Who have the colonies? Who stole the most land? Who rule the world? Who say they good but only do evil? Who the biggest executioner? Who, 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 who? Who own the oil? Who want more oil? Who told you what you think that later you find out is a lie? Who, who? Who found Bin Laden? Maybe they Satan. Who paid the CIA? Who knew the bomb was gonna blow? Who know where the terrorists learned to fly in Florida, in San Diego? Who knew why five Israelis was filming the explosion and cracking their sides at the notion? Who need fossil fuel when the sun ain't going nowhere? Who make the credit cards? Who get the biggest tax cut? Who walked out of the conference against racism? So, so we're back. Yo, when you went to Parsons, did you go out of the, when was the first time you went out of the country? Uh, I went out of the country um, after Parsons. I went to Argentina. All right. And it was for snowboarding. All right. So snowboarding got me my first passport. Snowboarding got you your first passport. My first passport, yes. So Argentina. All right. What? How did you get to Brazil? I got to Brazil. And guys, and I just want people to understand, uh, Decker speaks the language. Um, when we went out there, we was rolling to these ill parties uh, with him. <laughs> Decker had us. Us. Deck, Deck had us in um, circulation. He had us. He had us really. Um, he had us. He had us in the in, in the, in the situations in the, on the beach. Vid, 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 right, like every everything was all. It was all love. These people ain't know us from a hole in the wall, but because we was cool with you, they was looking out for us, whether you was there or not. Um, 
and 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 like how'd you like how'd you you know we was in the favelas we was riding yeah, up the hood, favela in the, in the, the on the back of a oh, bicycle yeah um, like, yo on the on the roof like really yeah. looking at like it was that was a great trip man like but how how did you get out how first of all how long have you been out there uh, I've been going back and forth to Brazil for the past seven years. So seven years ago, you did not speak the language. Uh, no, man, this was like eight years now. No, I, I didn't speak the language. I knew a couple words, but the reason I went down there is because my friends they produced an annual hip hop festival in Sao Paulo called Batuki. What was the first festival uh, you had? In, in 2011, Q Tip was the headline. Oh, Q Tip was headline. So they were like, yeah, you know, and I met my dude. Um, Ricardo in Brooklyn, Brazilian cat, he said, yo, if you ever come down, you can stay in my crib in Sao Paulo. And I said, yeah, maybe I'll take up that offer one day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was all focused on, like, yo, I just want to go snowboarding. I'm mm -hmm. all about getting this lifestyle and just getting to many mountains as I can. And, you know, when I went to Argentina in 2004, I was looking at the map and we were flying over Brazil. And I was like, I wonder what it's like down there. Maybe one day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward. 2011, I go um, to the hip hop festival. My peoples were producing it, so they're like, yo, you're VIP, you're good, you're good. And I said, okay, yeah, I've done seeing Q-Tip already, but like, screw him, I wanna see the people. Mm. I wanna see hip hop heads, because I'm from New York, the mm. birthplace of hip hop. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. because I saw these movies City of God. City of God. Yeah, that's everybody's I, reference. Yeah, but I don't really think that. Well, yeah, Brazil. But I, I don't think that that movie is gonna show everything. Mm -hmm. So I go, and I was blown away at the energy of the crowd. And I mean, you know, when the audience is giving the energy and the artist goes in, and mm -hmm. Q Tip was just this was, was when he was probably in his Santos house. Eric, was this yeah, the yeah, Santos house? This is 2011. Yeah, so that was Santos House. Yeah, and um, it was a great performance, like two shows, <laughs> and and the place was packed. And I never forget when the, when he was doing some tribe songs, thousands of Brazilian kids jumping up. Oh my God! Yes, oh my God! Oh my God! And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And it's black people, like, yo, I'm taking pictures, and like that motivated me to learn Portuguese because after that trip, it wasn't like, yeah, I went to Buenos Aires, I checked it out, all right, peace. I'll probably never come back again, maybe. Mm -hmm. But there I was like, yo, this is like Brooklyn. This is like, that's my cousin. Mm -hmm. That's my uncle, that's my neighbor. Now, were you moving around? Uh, now, well, you end up, what motivates you to move there? Though? What, uh, what, or get set up? What, yeah. what motivated me to, to get set up there was just like, it was something something about Brazil that's familiar because in terms of like um, how people look, mm, yeah, black beautiful, people, beautiful people, black people. Because it's interesting here because of black people in America, African Americans don't consider themselves anything but black. Mm -hmm. When we have a lot of different, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, in Brazil, it's like more of like they didn't have Jim Crow, so. And I got I think people also forget like Brazil is one of the largest concentration of people of African descent it, in the world. Exactly. We don't really talk about that. A it's lot. a it's a no brainer yeah. and, and I got connected and I got lucky because my first trip I met all the DJs, MCs, entrepreneurs mm -hmm. in Brazil, mm -hmm. uh, promoters. Mm -hmm. I, I got lucky. I met the right people. People go to a country and they don't get to make yeah. connections. Those connections. So I made those connections and I stayed in touch with people 
and then social networking helped me learn language because I can follow a Brazilian. So family. that's how you learn the language. Yeah, I learned the language through social networking because language tutorials. It can only get you so far because people don't really talk like the tutorial. Yeah, 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 yeah. Depending on what, what yeah, city you're in. Yeah. Then I started getting the hang and staying down there for like months. Like At a time. Six months. But you had to figure out how to. Eight months. Yeah, because you have no choices. You go somewhere, no one's speaking English, then you go to another city and you have a different mm -hmm. like dialect and you have to um, understand that, which is why I tell people, oh, language. No, no, no. It ain't that hard. Oh, you do motion graphics. No, it ain't that hard. Because if you apply yourself to whatever you want, you're going to get it. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know what's interesting now? Like, there's a lot going on in Brazil right now. Oh, man. Um, from a political a lot. and a social standpoint. Um, like, man. you know, they in a lot of regards, they have, they have their version of uh, right wing. Mm -hmm. um, political leadership that's in power right now. Mm -hmm. um, there's some military issues that's going on there that's been in play. Yeah. Um, there is a, it seems like, or at least it's being promoted as um, an, 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 an assault on uh, indigenous people there mm -hmm. by, because of the leadership, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what do you what what's changed since you got to Brazil and what do you see the future of Brazil right now? Well, when I got introduced to Brazil like eight years ago, you know, um, it was different. You know, you had, you know, Lula. You know, he was involved. He was president, mm -hmm. and he brought like millions and millions of people like out of poverty, like brought them out, brought them out of poverty. All my black Brazilian friends tell me like, yo. Was it he changed the game? What was it the po economic policies? Like what, what? Yeah, it was like he had a program called uh, Familia Bolsa, mm -hmm. which if you translate it to English, it's like it doesn't really make sense. It's like family pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like a public assistance thing mm -hmm. where people get money for food mm -hmm. and money to survive. And then they created like these like public programs. Mm -hmm. And then they also started a thing they call Sistema S which basically t took uh, tax dollars out of businesses for cultural so, projects. So they started redistributing wealth. Yeah. In a, sort, in a sense. It's, yeah, so exactly. That to me is, now when you saying that, I actually didn't know that. Now it may make sense why there's this right wing initiative in Brazil right now from a political standpoint. Oh yeah, of course. Because with any progression of, of people who are traditionally disenfranchised, mm -hmm. there's a tightening of the screws. Um, so, you know, they, like that, that now, I, I, that makes sense to me. And you just hit it in the head, you know, this guy, whoever he was, was part of redistributing. Now, was he, uh, he wasn't of African descent, right? Uh, he was from the north of okay. Brazil. But when you look at Brazilians, like, I yeah. mean, if you this look at your genetic, yeah, you'll yeah. be like, okay, you got some African, yeah. but you... Look more light skin, light skin. Yeah, you feel me. But he's from the northern part of Brazil, which is kind of like how could I make a comparison? Like, say how like a mulatto. Like, yeah, yeah. But, no, I'm talking <laughs> about where he's from. With um, the mentality of people in Brazil, uh, the people who live in the south of the country, a Sao Paulo, okay, a sort of like New York. So, okay. And if you're from the north, you're like from like Mexico. Okay, I got you. Central America. Oh yeah, those no Nordestinos, they're like whatever, they just come here to work and they're not, they can't speak properly. 
this is what's crazy to me is that in America, like it's this whole thing about uh, what's going on about prison reform, and mass incarceration, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform. And for someone who grew up in the same Brownsville you grew up in and kind of survived somehow, you know, I can't even tell you how in certain regards and then become a lawyer, prosecutor, defense attorney, professor, all this other stuff, doing this, these crazy scenarios and I run into on a daily basis. Like it's a joke to me when people start talking about reform in America because it's like reform isn't giving programs to the people who were purposely alienated and disenfranchised. Reform is tearing down the system that produces those people to go in that direction. So unless you are using your wealth and your platform and your brain to redistribute the wealth that has an abundance of wealth in America, um, creating dynamic educational opportunity for disenfranchised or alienated people, putting those people to be in positions of self-determination, you're not really doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. the, your whole bell bell modification and all that, all that, yeah. all that shit is. Look, it sounds good and it sounds great, but you'll go down to the jails, go down to the schools, and see if it's affecting that. And mm-hmm. you just, you know, I couldn't even imagine in America, America would lose its shit if a party in America was able, like the coup that's going on now from the GOP. If a Ameri- if a political party was able to begin redistributing wealth and tax dollars from these wealthy corporations who are making hands money hand over fist who have no real financial accountability, um, I never I didn't even know that what that had gone on in in Brazil. Yeah, and you know, and it created this new like. Um, lower middle class, mm-hmm. you know, and people moved up in society. Now, did they move up because they got the nice cars and the nice things that they saw the people who they thought was ahead of them had? Now, or, now this, this is another problem that happened because a lot of people say that people have got more and mm-hmm. wanted more. And like, you know, and Lula used to say stuff like, oh, um, tell the banks or the car dealerships, you know, you should trust the poor man as well in finance, his car, his items, because the poor man is hardworking and honest as well, you know? And I remember they had that big bus strike because, no, they had, not a bus strike, they had a protest because they were raising the fare mm-hmm. for like the buses and the subway in Sao Paulo. Like when I saw the amount, I tried to stay out of Brazilian politics mm-hmm. because I'm not Brazilian. Yeah. But when I, saw, when I saw the amount, I'm just like, Wow, they 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 tearing up the streets mm-hmm. <laughs> for that because when they raise fare in New York City, we go out and protest, mm-hmm. but they never come out with the uh, rubber bullets and gas canisters <laughs> because nobody turns up like that. Mm-hmm. We just like yeah, yell, yeah, yeah, yell, yeah. Oh, fucking twenty five. Because Americans are uh, like, we're, we're complacent. Yeah, and we go back, we go back to our homes. But then that created that thing, and then the corruption thing that came in. And um, knocked the Workers' Party, Lula's Party, off their feet, which led to um, Rousseff Dilma, his uh, predecessor, to be impeached on like some like BS, like mm-hmm. BS. 
And because the workers' party, they had a fourteen-year run. Mm. They could not. It's a long time. They could not be defeated mm. because basically, if it's a democracy and majority of the people are poor, and they choose a candidate who says, "I'm going to do this for you," or "I'm going to help you," or has a track record of helping, then the poor people are going to vote for him. Mm-hmm. You know. So the same thing with Trump. With Bolsonaro, they were like black Brazilians who were voting for this guy, even though he said crazy stuff about indigenous black mm-hmm. people, a uh, gay community. But a lot of it has to do with the uh, religion because of evangelism in Brazil is like they're powerful. Their numbers are like growing, and the church what is has Christianity. Yeah, the church has uh, influence, influence over who people vote for. You know, same thing here. So a lot of these people, they were voting, and then people were like, oh, tough on crime, tough on crime. And when people say tough on crime, all they're talking about is um, lock black people up. I don't care what country you are. Yeah, or, I mean, or like, foreigners or no, migrants. Brazil, you're lucky if you can get to jail. Well, they kill you before you get there? Yes. Yeah, I did read about that. You're like, lucky. The, 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 you... the law enforcement and police brutality makes America look like Sweden. Yeah, yeah, because in Brazil, I always tell people this: in Brazil, Brazilians look at crime as a plague. Mm-hmm. In America, people we see crime as a social condition. How can we fix this? Well, in, in I Brazil. don't know if we not 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 I, yeah, not, not all the way. Yeah, yeah, but not, not but all, I know what you yeah, said. not all the way to a point. It's just how how people think. Yeah. Right? Americans think crime is pathological by people of color, and there's this liberal thing that. You know, they don't right, really take responsibility for the conditions yeah. that they've created for crime to happen. Like, if America wanted to stop crime, they could. They have the money to do it, and mm-hmm. they have the data. Mm-hmm. They don't want to stop crime. Right. Because you, know? you would have to start addressing education, truly. You have to start edu- addressing health care, truly. They ain't with that. And, and, yeah, and, this, and this is something in Brazil, even I think about, like, I said, damn, Workers' Party... They had like a 14-year run, but still a lot of things weren't, you know, fixed education and, and things like that. And then the corruption thing mm-hmm. just destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. And he was about to run again for mm-hmm. president mm-hmm. because legally their laws are crazy. Mm-hmm. After he did two terms, he could still come back. So and that judge railroaded him. So who was the candidate who got stabbed on the campaign trail? Bolsonaro. It was Bolsonaro who got stabbed? Yeah, but people said that was fake. I don't know how real it is. I I saw the video and I was like, yo, that's just kind of like, because in Brazil, like, you get get access to like weapons, like, easy. 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 Brooklyn? Yeah, you got you got the bread. It's like they call the Brooklyn bounce. You find like yo, whatever, like hammer on on what you need. And this president wants to give. of Brazilian citizens the right to bear arms. arms. So yeah, I did read about that. You know, which that's means it. that if that shit happens, gonna be I gotta do the us. double take because because of what I look like. Will will uh will the favelas always remain favela like? Or is there a such thing as gentrification in favelas in Brazil? Like Yeah, that's happening in some areas in real in real de Janeiro. You know, it's happening in in in, in Vigigal. You know, but uh, after the Olympics mm-hmm. left and World Cup left, um, 
you know, the city went bankrupt and they didn't have the budget mm -hmm. for like public mm -hmm. security, you know what I'm saying? And little dramas start popping off in like neighborhoods, mm -hmm. you know, between um, different like drug crews or whatever. I, I, I read, I was read, I, I watched. Um, and those people moved the fuck out. I watched some uh, documentary uh, the <laughs> other day about Brazil. It wasn't about Brazil. It was about five different places in the world. And one of them was Brazil. And it was this kid who was in a crew in the favela. Mm -hmm. And he had messed up some money. And he owed them money. Mm -hmm. And his uncle and his mom was trying to tell him to make it right or at least bounce and go with his grandmother. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. And by the end of the film, yeah, he, had been, he had been uh, chopped up, shot and chopped up. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That, I'm sure you might know that film. that that lifestyle. I mean, it's here's the thing about the favela, like Brownsville, all these places. Like, it's like people who are doing things like committing crimes is a very they're outnumbered by the people that don't mm -hmm. do fucking mm -hmm. crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the entire neighborhood community gets uh, painted with that, mm -hmm. you know. But in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, it's a retail drug market. Mm -hmm. These guys are not shipping big time stuff. Mm -hmm. to Europe they're not involved mm -hmm. with that it's all like a retail market and it's like five different so they're games. fighting over Ter territory, territory you know neighborhood switch it has to with, be, yeah. with, with power but you know it'll be like the same people but it's all about loyalty to whoever's in power so you know, if the leader you're loyal to is going to side with the rivals mm -hmm. so he can remain then people in the community may just side with him and forget about the other boss who was, who died, or who's who's in jail. That's politics. You, you feel me? And then it's just all about, you know, leadership and all favelas are not created equal. Mm. Some are way more chill than mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. And some are just like, nah, man, like you, you just you, you just can't. And I've been to some communities you just can't. that was just like, oh, oh. Mm. You, you you feel me? You know, I've I seen things that I would never, ever mm. build on because it's just, like, bad. Do you, are you going to, do you see yourself uh, a lifelong space in Brazil? Yeah, I'm considering retiring in Brazil, Brazil. because I think it's just better for me mm. because the power that I have, you know, as an American, I have access to dollar. Mm. So I can get it here or I can get it remotely. Mm. And, you know, the way the economy is working right now, the dollar has um, a lot of power in Brazil. In you Brazil. Can, yeah. Because the relationship with Brazil. Because in other places, yeah. the dollar is... Ain't nothing. Ain't shit. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing. So, yeah. you got a lot yeah, of, I, went, I just came back from Cuba, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know, so it's just like what you can do um, with, with the dollar because the way I'm looking at America, and I'm like, damn, so I can't afford to retire. Yeah, no my country is going to cost me this much so if I can just like live a simple life and just continue to make works of art then that's what I'm doing so you got an exit plan going yeah it's, it's just like it's just it's just the plan like it's the process listen an exit plan me? is a good thing bro um, yeah I think everybody needs an exit plan yeah you know yeah, it's, it's just they got their their problems in Brazil I'll, we always say this Brazil is not for beginners <laughs> it's not for for beginners because they have their problems and you know and just you miss America when you have to deal and put up with certain like bullshit in Brazil like damn it's so easy I could just 
going to like DMV and I can get this paid, but when I need this, you deal with Brazil, it's just like, all right, who you gonna pay? Yeah. You get pulled over? Mm-hmm. Oh, yo, you owe like 4,000 reals and tickets. We gonna have to tow this car. Yo, I can't have my car towed. All right. What do you think about? Mm-hmm. 400. Oh, damn. So you gotta pay that. Gotta pay that price. And, and you do it. And they'll, they'll, they don't care. They'll do it in front of everybody. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's different. It's just like, there, the police will do it for just like, you know, 20, 30, 50 American dollars, 100 American dollars in their currency and just kind of look um, the other way. You get pulled over in New York, yo, yo, let me give you this there $200 so you don't know, take my car. Man, you're going to be yeah, you handcuffs. Yeah, you're getting the broccoli charge. It's a wrap. You're getting the broccoli charge. It's a wrap for you, man. They got different yeah. ways, you know. In, in New York, it's just, you know, you have, if you have this complexion for the protection, depending on the neighborhood, you'll get by, you know. Like some of us, though, you know, you, you're you not getting pulled over if you look a certain part in New York. Oh, if you drive a nice car. Drivers, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. just hating you. Yeah. For having that car, like, yo. Yo, um, listen, this guy, so, um, yo, Dak, we, we, first of all, I want to say thank you. Um, oh, man. The education. Welcome. The education and, and um, the love that you always show us uh, over the years is, is, is greatly appreciated. It's mutual. Um, we definitely coming back to Brazil. Yeah, word up, man. We ain't get enough time to kick it with you, you know, yeah, it, yeah. the timing-wise. But i really like us to um, figure some things out in, in, in Brooklyn mm-hmm. while you're here. Um, definitely. And if there's anything that we can do on this side, Brooklyn to Brazil, is that is that you, Brooklyn to Brazil? Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn to Brazil. Check out Brooklyn to Brazil. Um, if you're in Brazil, check out the homie Decker. Um, check out Hoods to Woods. Um, all those fly, very talented um, uh, drawings. Uh, not those wacky looking drawings, but the wacky looking drawings of our history is important too. But the, the really, the really uh, uh, dope ones. That's by the homie Decker. Um, check them out and um, peace. Peace. Também, um clube. Também só tinha cantado. Eu tinha cantado aqui depois que cheguei em 72, logo no começo de 72, aqui no show do Castro Alto. Contei um dia assim.